Hello, everybody. Mariner here, and welcome to NetBat Hall and a new venture for us where we are going to review uh, Gabe's and uh, myself's matchups from which we predicted last week. And uh, who else? Who else could we ask to join us, Gabe? But our very good friend from Malaysia, uh, Lucian, aka FPL teacher. You need to unmute yourself, my friend. But how are you doing? Oh, well, it's midnight here, and I am quite excited. Like, I literally stayed all night for this. And I cannot wait to start. I cannot wait to start. Perfect. Perfect. I, I'm, Gabe, how I'm, are you? Man, I'm, I'm so excited to jump into this show. Lucian and I have been talking about something like this for a long time now. And, and who better, like, to review us and grade our our matchups than the FPL teacher himself. So let's just dive right into this sucker. Righty-ho. So first things first, I'm just going to put a summary slide up for the for the game week, just for a very split second. We don't need to go through the scores, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to mention one or two of the performers who actually, the top few performers of the game week, and we have right at the top, Rafael Varane at 14 points for Manchester United. Uh, with an able assist from Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Gabe, who I were talking up in, game in, in the preseason. You all took the mick out of me. I love you all dearly. Mariners, uh, Rodri- it's raining in the Rodri- desert, Rodri- Mariners. It's raining in the desert. <laughs> uh, Rodrigo, um, one of the first price rises in the game. We love the casuals. Um, obviously, Haaland, 13 points. Isak, 13 points, really interesting. Leno, another player who was talked about a lot in preseason 12, along with Juan Bissaka. Disassi, never heard of him. Uh, one of your mates, Gabe, Harvey Barnes, 11 points. How long is it going to be before he's in your team, my friend? Hey, I wrote about Harvey Barnes. I mentioned him in the matchup, so I'm not surprised that he <laughs> came Let's in as an impact that. player. He is an impact player. <laughs> yes, let's not spoil that. Then, of course, ably assisted by... Saka, Visser, Solly match. I'm Solly, not Solly. Uh, and Anderson and Onana. There we go. Down to nine points. So that's the top scorers of the game. Wait, how many did you have, guys? Pop it in the chat. Let us know who you had. Um, because um, did anyone have Varane? Did anyone have Varane? I, I had Shaw. And he picked a booking up. I love him dearly. Right then. Should we get going? I'm going to go with the first game. I'm going to go straight across. We're not going to mess around tonight. We're going to dive straight in. And we are going to go with Burnley against Manchester City, Gabe. Um, I'll just very much summarise it. We thought it was going to be an easy night for Manchester City, basically. Uh, that NetXG thought that way. The fixture difficulty pretty much thought that way. Um, lefts and central zonals as well. What happened? Tell us, teachers. Well then, what I've done basically is uh, look through each slide to identify key points where that you know potentially summarize where City would get a competitive advantage over whatever opponents they get. And I've done that for all ten slides. So really, what I've done is that I've looked at literally all the people involved in the matchups and summarized it all here. So here we go. First things first, with City, let's start with the straightforward case. <laughs> um, Gabe mentioned in the slide here that it depended all on a dribbler such as Grealish. Well, Grealish didn't start, but neither did... 
a dribbler surface, unfortunately. In fact, it was City's defense that caused Burnley all sorts of problems. So it's okay. I mean, you know, predicting Pep Roulette is already difficult as it is, let alone picking their actual strategy. And I think um, at this point, the key takeaway is that with City, with KDB injured especially, like it's just difficult to tell if we can even predict Pep's plan A and we should just go with how, you know, if you have like the tallest guy in the basketball team, your primary strategy is to just give the ball to the tallest guy, right? <laughs> Harlan is exactly that. Harlan is exactly that, literally the tallest guy on the pitch and you just give the ball to him and let him do his thing. I think the only other benefactor would be Julian Alvarez because with KDB's injury, you have a lot of overloads on the right side and that basically frees up the likes of Walker, Foden, and whoever just to play in Alvarez and Haaland. They are the ones waiting in the box. As simple as that. Now, as for Burnley, well, <laughs> their front three is virtually unrecognizable, which is refreshing. Um, it just means that their strategy is completely different. So the takeaway here is that they've got one experienced guy in Lyle Foster, and then they've got another in Koliosho, who's like the 18-year-old prodigy. And it just comes down to whether you prefer chaos in the 18-year-old youngster or you want someone with more guile because Burnley are hunting in packs. That's the plan. Although it remains to be seen whether they do that against inferior opposition. But that's about it. Didn't take long for Haaland to score, did it? I'd only just got, I'd only just sat down with, with the bottle of Heineken Zero game and bang, it was already in the back of the net. Um, what do you have to think about this one? Did we get it right, or did we did we get, did we not see anything coming? No, I mean, I, I think we identified um, some weaknesses, and Pep just went in a different direction, right? He didn't go with his dribblers. He didn't go with chaos. He just went like like Lucien said. He, he basically played this game like like you play the game of basketball, uh, a strong link sport. And then, and I think that's what Lucien's telling us is that the the plan B, like the plan A for for Pep, is always going to be hit the strong link. Um, I was so I I heard about about the you know that that Foden was starting so I moved Madison to Foden and I was extremely frustrated as a Foden owner seeing Foden in and around the touches and not in and around the shots and every time he was there ready to take a shot Julian and and Holland and even other players were like in front of him um, so it's interesting to hear Lucien kind of like talk up Julian Alvarez. Um, because that might be, you know, the, like the double switch in, in next game week or something like that. Just something to watch out for. So I don't, I don't really think we we got this one right per se, but I do think we we learned a lot from it. I think we learned a lot from most of the matches, really, weren't we? Going forwards, like anything, we don't, we didn't know anything, and this is the difficulty with yeah. uh, these matchups: is you're really starting from a blank canvas and. And, and, you know, and, and putting the oil painting together. Well, Lucian is anyway. So, okay. So um, what I'll do then, if without further ado, is I'll keep going. So I think it's important to try and keep up to speed on this one. And the next one's Arsenal against Nottingham Forest. And another very, very interesting game from my side. I did manage to catch a bit of it. Um, first things first, obviously, Gabrielle um, was an absolute unmitigated disaster for myself. Um, I didn't hear the team leak, so I was livid. Um, but anyway, that's another story. With respect to the matchup itself, NetXG had Arsenal at 2.1, Forrest at 1. It did think Forrest would score touche to the, to, uh, the, uh, to NetXG. 
Um, whereas my fixture difficulty was a bit more positive for Arsenal, 3.2 and 2.1. Perhaps it thought there might be a clean sheet. It did expect that Arsenal would dominate big chances, shots on target, shots on box and headers. They didn't really. They didn't really. Um, and um, yeah, uh, Lucien, what's your what's your perspective on this one? Well, Chris, majority of this slide was focused on the effect of new boy Kai Havertz. So let's talk about what Kai Havertz did. I think the issue here is that with Gabriel's injury, Thomas Partey filled in at right back, and that changed a lot. See, the thing about Partey is that he favors this massive connection with Bukayo Saka down the right side, and Odegaard being on the right side basically linked the three of them together pretty much the entire of the first half. So even though Kai Havertz made these wonderful runs beyond the back line of Forest, it just they just weren't used. And every time Party had the ball in midfield or right back, it just went straight to Saka. It went straight to Saka. And to be fair, Bukayo Saka was on fire. Like he had chances down the flanks. He crossed, he shot, and he scored a worldie from outside. Virtually everything went down that side in the first half. And even Martinelli himself joined in the fun, really. From the left wing, he went all the way down to the right half space. And that was how they pressed their advantage. So in that sense, this line, I think, has some truth to it, besides the prediction that Trossard would start, start as the number nine. Because Trossard did come on, he did play the number nine, but more as a more disciplined aggressive, counter-pressing kind of number nine, which did get some chances late on, but I think that wouldn't pop up in the stats. But that's about yeah, it, didn't, really. We didn't, we didn't see Niketia coming either, did we, really, Gabe? And, of course, he started, so maybe, I don't know whether that's because it's more of an easy game, perhaps. What's your perspective of, of, uh, of this? Clearly, the Gabriel issue was something that hurt me deeply. Ah, but we didn't see the zonal matchup either, clearly, because everything went down the right. But what, what's your view? I think you're muted. We've lost you for a second, mate. I don't know, Gabe. I've lost your sound. Sorry, sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm getting into the habit of muting, muting myself, but I'm not used to it yet. Because when I, when I type the keys, just we got a comment on that. So, uh, so I'm, the, bear with me while I get used to it. <laughs> um, so, I, I actually, I, I actually, um, I'm really, um, I, I like what, I like what we did in this slide. Actually, despite the quote unquote wrong calls. Um, I updated the slide before I posted the uh, the thread in the matchup. So here I said I expect Nketiah to, to lead the front line. I did change that to Trussard when I when I posted the thread. Um, and he yeah he, he was great on the counter press. I thought he'd be used more. I thought he'd be used to stretch the lines a little bit more. But I, I think the call on Havertz is is still correct. Um, you know so so the idea was like that positional change that Lucien was talking about Partey goes to right back. That right side is firing. Saka Saka played out of his mind in that game, and like in the Community Shield, he didn't show half of what he showed in this game. So what I think what the matchups prediction failed to account for was Saka's changing form from the Community Shield to this game. But the the ideas of the of the concepts behind what they're trying to do at Arsenal, I think, were correct. Like Lucien mentioned, Havertz still making those those runs to the far post. That side was still open. He was doing all the things, but they almost like didn't need to go to that side because they're uh, more, uh, I guess, players that have been on the team longer. That right side were connecting. So like, if the if the old school boys are connecting, why disrupt that and and keep it going? So, um, but I think. 
but I but I I would say we got this one mostly right. Like um, I'm happy with with the Havertz pick despite the despite the the outcomes here. Yeah, Saka burned me. Um, but I'm not dissatisfied with with the pick overall because I think we're on to the right concepts in this slide. Yeah, it was interesting that Arsenal's numbers weren't particularly high, and Forest actually looked mm -hmm. uh, quite attacking. In fact, they should have led because Johnson missed the sitter as well very early on. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did celebrate uh, running through a mall in Dubai when Arsenal scored, given the fact uh, so Forest scored, given the fact that I didn't own <laughs> with the Gabriel issue. I think I think people thought I was mad, but well, I am. But anyway, there we go. Should we keep going? Um, let's go to the next one. Um, the next one was Bournemouth against West Ham. Another interesting one. And um, first thing I'll say is we did say about Solanke, didn't we? 44% involvement and here Presto, here he turned up again. We called back in pre-season, just wish he was a bit cheaper. I might even have owned him, Gib. Um, the actual fixture itself, 1.3, 1.4, net XG, didn't suggest much, really. Um, Bournemouth uh, fixture difficulty, 2.1 uh, attack, so it did think they were going to get something defence-wise, not uh, pretty neutral. West Ham it didn't really like, but maybe... The, we're missing the, the, the Jared Bowen factor here, uh, Lucien. What's your view? Well, for every Bukayo Saka, there's going to be a Jared Bowen. I think the world is that both of them <laughs> scored virtually from the identical position. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that Jared Bowen was on fire, though. They kept looking for Bowen. So this slide revolves around those two players, right? Bowen and Solanke. And although statistically everything matched up, Principally, everything went completely different. There was this interesting stat where I think West Ham had like 11 shots in the box, but none of them had an XG of over 0 0.10. It was mad. It's like West Ham can have all the dominance they want and they just come up with low quality chances from set pieces. So Bowen's getting a lot of the ball, but he's not taking the chances himself. They're still going back to set pieces to get all their big chances. Now, with Solanke, it's a little bit different because whoever's watched highlights will know that Solanke's goal basically came from a deflected shot from outside after substitutions. However, throughout the game, they did look for Solanke directly. The issue here is that Bournemouth's plan A under Iraola is not in full effect. That's the problem. So whatever we've read about Iraola and all the good things he's done revolving around Philip Billing and white fullbacks and whatever you've read, not being done as of right now. So there's still a work in progress. And I cannot say that Solanke is the ultimate playmaker because the plan A is just not firing at the moment. That's the key takeaway. Yeah, you said about West Ham, um, 12 shots in the box, one big chance. So, yeah, uh, interesting. Okay, um, let's keep moving on because the next one is another one that uh, I was very bullish about, Gabe. I was extremely bullish about, West, about Brighton uh, battering Luton. I had to wait quite a long time my prediction to come true but it did in the end um Luton I thought were um shall we say that they tried they give I'll give them I'll give them seven out of ten for effort they really tried to be fair they made it difficult the net xg suggested that Brighton would have a relatively easy day 2.3 but it suggested Luton might score although I don't know how we predicted it 
given the fact we didn't have any data. Um, on the fixture ability, Brighton, absolutely love Brighton. It said, it said 5.3. Well, I think I said 5.1 um, in, in the game itself. But what it did predict was tons and tons of chances, big chances, 3.6 shots on target, 7.7, 15 shots in the box it predicted. Um, I'll just have to see how many it was, actually. How many shots in the box did Brighton have? They had 20. <laughs> um, Lucian, over to you. Right, so this is going to sound even more convincing because, well, this, here's the thing about Brighton. The moment they scored, the moment they went 3-1 up, they created more big chances from XG in like the final 10 minutes of the game compared to the 90 minutes before it. Those injury time substitutions really changed the game. I think the weird thing here about Luton in general, right, is that you always wonder which of their side would collapse first. Would their player quality show or would something about their tactics let them down? And in the first half, it was all tactics because their two central midfielders, Chong and Mpanzu, were unusually aggressive. So, you know, Brighton just punish you with that. And if Luton have two players on the flank, Brighton will have three. <laughs> That's really it. And they just kept going and going and going and going. If it's not Estupinian, it's going to be Joao Pedro. If it's not Joao Pedro, it's going to be Pascal Gross all the way in the 90th minute. And it just came down to a simple error by a Luton player. I think it was Mpanzu, actually, who gave the ball in the box for Adingrad's score. And that was it. Everything just went mad after the 90th minute. So... I think we can at least say that Brighton will be Brighton. They will punish weaknesses. And Luton have multiple issues to fix. One from a tactical perspective and one from a player perspective where they still make a lot of errors that will definitely be punished in the Premier League. Mm. Gabe, 27 shots, 12 on target, 20 in the box, 7 outside the box, 6 big chances, 5 headers, non-penalty XG 3.29. <laughs> Brighton did what Brighton do. And aberration, right? I mean, six big chances. This is, yeah, I think the, I mean, 3.6 big chances predicted for Brighton, I, I thought was quite robust. I, I think I, I would count that as a, as a correct prediction. If if the game didn't get out of hand, it probably would have been between three and four, right? Um, and, and the game got out of hand because of those, those the factors that Lucien was talking about. What I like about the, the prediction here is um, one, NetXG got the, the goal for Luton, right? predicted that goal for Luton and and I think like um that's going to be a thing with Brighton defense they are like they are systemically not set up to defend for 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 the game right because they 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 push forward so so much so I think they will be they will be conceding in most games um and then the other thing like maybe it wasn't um balls directly from steel to the wingers to to um to get like numbers up situations um, but that's exactly what they're trying to do. Use, using the wingers to get like even even one v ones, Matoma one v one versus any Luton player. Like Lu Lucian was talking about, like player quality, right? When you, when you're playing against these promoted teams, you get a one v one, and that's basically a two v one. Matoma against any promoted defender um, is 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 a matchup that you'd like to see. So I expect Brighton to really get find those matchups, especially in those wide areas. Sully March, you know. Mariner, you talked about Sully March in our in our defenders show with Craig Kemp um, from from the Man on Pod, and and we we mentioned that side, and and basically all the sides, everyone got a return for yeah, for Brighton, did. but uh, but Mar March will be good un until he loses his spot to to Kudus. So um, 
yeah, I, I would say this was mostly a correct um, prediction for us. Well, we also need to give credit to Andy Martin as well, who suggested that there could be a penalty. And indeed, there was. Um, and you <laughs> rightly predicted, Gabe, that it was Pedro who was on them. Thankfully, you hit it hard enough because the keeper went the right way. I was very worried. Oh, about the keeper guessed time. great, but that was, it was so well, so well struck. Um, João Pedro should have should have missed, uh, sh shouldn't have missed that that one in like the fifth minute as well. He could have really hauled. And Gerard yeah. from Fantasy Pavilion captained him. Wow! So hats wow, off to wow, him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, kudos to him. Well, balls to him, as I said. Not balls, big balls. It was a big balls to do that. So I'll tell you what, there's a few there's a few decisions on captaincy which I wouldn't necessarily agree with this week. But anyway, there we go. Um, let's keep going. Everton against Fulham. Well, 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 well. Everton are doing what Everton do, Gabe. Um, we didn't expect much from them with NetXG 0.9 against Fulham's 1.5. Obviously, we were very... We weren't sure about these Fulham numbers, given the fact we weren't sure about Mitrovic and things like that. Everything else was very neutral, um, to be quite honest, with the matchups. Couldn't really call it. I think we went low scoring. We were right to go low scoring. Um, Lucien, what's your view? So the slide addresses two things. First of all, um, the injured McNeil, and that spot was taken up by Iwobi, who basically ran the show. But I'm not going to talk about Iwobi so much because it's a temporary matchup that favours Everton more than anything. Uh, I'd like to actually comment on the physical presence of the Corey as well as Onana, who traditionally operated in the half spaces. So, yes, they were still there. The Corey himself actually played better as a number 10. So, really, like, it's either he will be on the left doing magic things on the day, or the Corey himself playing the number 10, dribbling himself into the box. I think he had this massive chance early in the game that was pretty much just him doing things as the support striker and doing the simple things well. I think the more interesting here, the more interesting observation that I came across here what had to do with Fulham because Fulham were horrendous down the right side. And the biggest factor that we did not consider was Andreas Pereira. People think that Fulham are going to be weak because they didn't have Joao Palinha, but wow... Andres Pereira had a knee surgery done over the long break and he was not fit. So they lost their shape completely. They decided to have Kearney go in there and it was an absolute disaster. They had too much space to manage through one guy and Everton just kept attacking their left and they were just really, really fortunate that all of New Maupai's shots were literally at Leno. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's all I can comment, uh, I really. I was just going to say that. I, I didn't watch this game, but I'm just looking at the statistics. And you know me, I tend to look at the statistics. And, uh, and uh, I thought, well, hang on a minute, there's a hell of a lot of XG here. And then I thought, oh, there's a hell of a lot of XG for Neil Maupai, <laughs> including two big chances, which he missed. Uh, four shots, three on target, four in the box. Um, a 1.1 non-penalty XG for Neil put Mopai on his own, Gabe. Um, Everton couldn't hit a barn door from a yard. Um, Fulham targetable? I think, I think like like Lucien said, target target that Fulham's right side. So um, the opposition playing, the opposition's left playing Fulham. Who, who do Fulham play next? Um, Good question. They play Brentford. Brentford away. Brentford at home, sorry. Brentford at home. Local derby. Yeah, Brent, Brentford at home. So, um, hmm, I mean, with Tony, that, that would be a little bit easier to 
to um to analyze i'd have to dig deep, deeper into that one to see if, how brentford will kind of build up through that left side if if they will and also if they sign nicolas gonzalez this week um but what i what i liked about this one was the, the like highlighting dukure dukure kind of came on to came into prominence at the end of last season he but he was more advanced and like lucian was saying that the I think highlighting Dukure was the right thing, but the way we highlighted Dukure was maybe not not exactly accurate. Um, I I expected Dukure like to be involved in the buildup, and then once the ball gets forward to a target, to then be involved involved in that second ball. But no, but Dukure was on the ball, wasn't he, Lucian? And he was just like uh, carrying the ball into the box, and and I think the the call the wide with McNeil, we got it right. It, um, it was just the. Um, the, the the wrong player obviously McNeil injured so that that player was a Wobi who's played all over the lineup for this team in in years and and he's so versatile and uh I mean maybe somewhat talismanic in terms of um spirit at, at least but but I mean both like tracking the ball and 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 creating I think a Wobi is very important to the team oh sorry I need to make one last comment on Pickford because that was part of the threat uh, Pickford basically had nothing to do because Everton pressed as a collective. <laughs> that basically, yeah, just let Pickford sit on a chair with a newspaper, watch the game go by until Fulham decided to wake up in the second half. <laughs> yeah, so really quickly on that, like I, I, yeah, I, I highlighted that the, the wrong goalkeeper in the sense that um, you want the goalkeeper facing Malpe. First of all, so should should have known if it's Malpe, get the opposing goalie, um, and then and then on on Everton's side, Sean Dyche he has changed the way he has set up teams in the past um, or as throughout his career. But what it, what hasn't changed is he he's still like defending in groups and blocking shots. So those shots don't get to the keeper. I think the only Lucien was saying only one shot got to Pickford and it went in. So um, and I think uh, Libero on, on on Twitter was saying. Um, you know, people people choosing Pickford targeting the easy fixtures didn't realize that um, Pickford is the easy fixture. Everton is the easy fixture. So, um, so yeah, that, Leno would have been would have, would have been a better shout there in hindsight. Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! Might be playing Turner this week myself. Anyway, there we go. Let's keep going. And the next fixture, gents, is Sheffield United at home against Crystal Palace, and we thought Crystal Palace would probably do them. Um, we gave Sheffield United half a chance of at least scoring on the net XG game, 0.9. Um, Crystal Palace, 1.8. The zonals and the fixed difficulty all like Crystal Palace, but that's a massive pinch of salt because of the fact we don't have the data on Sheffield United. What I will say is Sheffield United generated 0.13 uh, non-penalty XG um, and Crystal Palace generated 2.07, two big chances. Seven, uh, 17 shots in the box against Sheffield United's four. Lucian, over to you. Well then, I'm going to address the straightforward points. First and foremost, uh, there is mention of Benin Traore as a dribbler. He didn't need to dribble because Sheffield United was so direct. It was basically just the forwards pulling wide and waiting for the central midfielders of either Norwood or Osborne to get into the box. Really, the game plan was very simple. Now, over to Crystal Palace, and there's a lot of hype on Eze. So the thing about Eze is that we all expect him to be talismanic, do all the things that he needs to do, but we continue to underrate the supporting cast around Eze. 
which is Jordan Ayu as well as Jeffrey Schlup. So the two wingers here actually did a lot more work for Otson Edward. And what they actually exposed was, as well as Luton, the inferior quality of their centre-backs. You can make their centre-backs names as long as you want. <laughs> the centre-backs still are quite um, slow to react to runners such as Otson Edward. And if you're slow to Otson Edward, you know that you've got a problem with this league. Um, one last thing about Palace's defensive evaluation, because the slide also mentioned that we might underestimate them. Palace themselves don't do anything fantastic defensively. They just manage the game very well. Roy Hodgson did not make a single substitution across 90 minutes, tactically, which meant that he just looks at things and he, if he sees that things are working, stay the same. He doesn't even have to make a defensive substitution to close out the game. He just knows when to just leave it as it is. I think he was too busy having a punch up, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I heard a rumour he was having a bit of a carve up on the on the uh, on the side. I was told about that. I said, I said How old is he? Come on, man, you're <laughs> you don't need to do nice. that. Good for him. Okay, but I'll say this. I thought Crystal Palace would have a harder time up at Sheffield. They really did a job on them by the look of things. Really did a job on them. Yeah, I, I actually I haven't seen this game, um, so I, I don't know too much about it other other than the stats and what I've what I've heard from Lucian. Um, but but I think one thing is just because a player is a talisman doesn't mean that they can do it all. And and I think that's what Lucian's getting to. I'm I mean when you mention the names Schlup and Ayu, I know for a fact that that I'm underrating these players. But but also they 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 perform that they're so like just. They're so good at performing the specific role that Roy needs them to perform in in terms of um, supporting supporting as a or or just like I mean it, it depends on the game so so I don't know um, if I, I don't want I don't want assets from a team that are depending on these players on Ayu and Schlup because I, I think that's a plan that's that's bound to break down um, so I don't know I'm 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 quite skeptical of, of Crystal Palace moving forward I got to be honest. That'd be interesting to see. Um, hmm, yeah, we'll we'll see on that one. I I actually am a little bit more bullish on them. I did pick John Snow preseason. Um, I wasn't quite sure about this fixture. To be fair, I thought this might be. I thought they might concede here. So I actually think people who are set with Johnson are actually set set fairly fair right now. If you ask me. Um, okay, before we move on, guys, um, we're at what nearly thirty minutes in. So if you wouldn't mind hitting like. Um, if there's uh, 49 people with us at the moment, which is lovely, um, but please, if you haven't already hit like, please hit like. If you really like what we do, hit subscribe. Uh, and if you really, really, really like what you do, come and become a hauler uh, and join the community. And uh, we did a new thing on the community game, didn't we? This time, just before deadline, we had a, uh, a voice channel open in the Discord chat where we had lots of discussion for an hour pre-deadline. I think we're going to carry on doing that. So we have our own deadline stream. We, we Unfortunately, we did get some of the leaks. We just didn't get all of the leaks. <laughs> oh, I certainly didn't. Anyway, I was too busy messing around. In fact, I think I was messing about with work, actually. I had to jump off at one stage to do something with work. But hey-ho, these things happen. So yeah, hit like, hit subscribe. And if you really, really like what we do, we'd love you to become a hauler like Lucian, who is a super hauler. So Lucian, this oh he's gone. <laughs> <Just that. laughs> he quit. 
<laughs> Where's he gone? Uh, anyway, um, I, I don't know what to do now, Kev. Do we, so do, we, do we just we, well, wait for him to come back? Go to no. Let, let, we can go to the next matchup. We can start talking about it. Uh, Lucian will come back. It, you know, this is our first our first go around. So please uh, bear with us while we deal with a couple tech issues. He's back. Hopefully, he sounds okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, right. Sheffield United's done, uh, Crystal Palace. We've just been having a bit of a laugh at you. I was just singing your praises, Lucian, and then you just disappeared. But anyway, there we go. There's another story. It's always there's always chaos at Net that hole. And there was chaos at St. James's Park, Gabe. What a what a lead into that one. Um we predicted Aston Villa with a net XG of 0.9, Newcastle of 1.3. Uh, on NetXG, uh, I called it a bit better. Four point five fixture difficulty and two point two. Uh, although it did think they were going to get keep a clean sheet, Villa had something to say about that. We did think about three and a half big chances. <laughs> we were only uh, we were only six out, <laughs> five and a half out. There was nine nine big chances for Newcastle. They'd broken my metric. I don't know what to do about that. I might have to recalculate it. Um, 14 shots in the box, 13 on target, 17 shots in total, 4.61 on penalty XG. Um, Lucien, uh, before I let Gabe loose to rant at Unai Emery's tactics, I'd like you to uh, just uh, give us a view on the match. Oh, so oh, you're quiet. You're a bit quiet all of a sudden. So, um, yeah, uh, formation. No, we've lost you. You sounds terrible. Gabe, do you, do you try and sort your sound out, Lucy, in a second? Gabe, come back to you. Yeah, so um, I mean that this match again got got out of hand. It got it got out of control. The one thing I'll say is. Um, you know, I, I wrote it at the bottom there, uh, Aston Villa to score and Watkins to be involved. And he got the assist. And I, no, I didn't write Watkins to score for a reason because I, I, I do think, you know, and, and we talked about this on the matchup show last week, that I think Diaby is, is going to siphon chances from, from Watkins in terms of goal scoring. And they're going to kind of cannibalize each other. So, so Diaby is probably much better value. Um, Watkins never felt right in my team. I think after watching that game, if you are a Watkins owner, you might be a little bit concerned. Um, but also, like, don't act too early on any information we get in just one game week because once once teams adapt to Diaby, that could open things back up for Watkins. So we have to be patient. But these are just all um, initial observations. Um, I didn't expect Isak to play the nine. I expected it to be Callum Wilson. And Isak showed, he showed why it's not a competition. Isak is just, he's just a class quality player. The finishes he had um, were incredible. Hold on, I think, uh, is Lucien back? Okay, you're back, Lucien. Yeah, let's give it a go. Is it better now? That's better. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, Gabe's just given his view. He didn't rant about Emery, which I'm actually quite surprised. I think I'll come back to him for the rant because um, he normally does rant when there's something like that. Um, I, I want to ask you a question just very, very early. I was very impressed with Tenali. Um, is he did is he in your uh, in your discussions here? Unfortunately, not because the big chances all fell in the first half, and then the wingers took over. So, yeah, it's still all about the wingers. And our focus really should be on whether to buy Isak or Wilson because 
everything falls for the number nine, no matter what the wingers do. Strangely, the wingers don't take shots. I find that very, very weird. Um, but beyond the gap, yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, I'm, I mean, this page on Villa. Uh, yeah. So I think we've got to you've got to update your chances based on Newcastle's left side because last season they had literally nothing on the left, right? They had no left wingers that actually worked. Whereas this season they have Barnes and Anthony Gordon both actually working really well. Um, the other thing is that for Villa, well, everyone's going to blame the injury to Mings, but I think. Villa's box in midfield, right? They actually employ Bailey as the winger that defends. Whereas last season, Bailey was actually the second striker and they allow one of the box midfielders to defend. I think that's something that Emery needs to sort out before Europe begins. <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to continue suffering down the right-hand side of the ass. Okay, Gabe, anything to add before we move on? Yeah, no, I, I think in you, the interest yeah, of time, yeah. we should move on. But what... Uh, am I good? Um, yeah, but, but, but what, what I'll what I'll say just really quickly is uh, is is yeah, like like playing playing Leon Bailey the way you played him is criminal. Like, just no, like that, that like he can't do that. He's never done that. You're playing him in central midfield to to, to defend it, it makes absolutely no sense when he's a wide attacking player. So um, I mean, yeah, Aston Villa got what they deserved, and this was another just like errant game like that like don't take too much from it there will be a lot of change emory will make a lot of changes tactically and stuff from this game so um i think we've learned more about newcastle than we have about villa in this one fair enough fair enough so okay so moving on to brentford against tottenham right there's death there's taxes and there's tottenham conceding the goals away from home gabe um nothing changes there um we did think that that would be the case um, with respect to the fixtures. NetXG saw Brentford at 1.7, Spurs at 1.5, not a million miles off here. Uh, fixture difficulty really liked Brentford, 3.3, and it really didn't like Spurs' defence as a result. It didn't really like Spurs' attack. But of course, it didn't factor in James Madison, who looked to be very, very involved in everything, Lucian. Over to you. Well, the problem with the James Madison is that they only profited through set pieces. Um, I wrote a thread recently about Spurs and how they would use Madison in those spaces. And the problem with this system is that they need a number nine that's willing to run into the half spaces. That is exactly what Richardson is not. So if you don't have your first choice striker running into the places you want him to, then you have to wait. You have to wait for Son, you have to wait for the fullbacks and... I think the crucial thing here is that Spurs never, ever had the ball on the wing in order for the fullbacks and James Madison to actually bomb into. So if you notice, a lot of Spurs' biggest chances actually came through set pieces because in open play, they just never had that ideal setup for them to actually dominate games. Whereas for Brentford, well, without Tony, they've actually taken their supporting cast and just told them, you keep doing what you do, but better. So Frico Henry was bombing down the flanks all by himself, but he was making the runs down the flanks with the ball by himself. Bomo and Misa did not need to pull wide at all because there's no Tony to aim for. So instead, they just stood together. Every time Henry went down the left, Bomo and Wisa were like 10 yards within that space wherever Henry went. So that's how they, that's how they keep it simple and that's how they do it well. I really like them. I really enjoyed watching the game, actually. I was a bit nervous because I didn't own anybody, but I really enjoyed the game. It, it was just typical, you know, all the players who I didn't own, all the players who you talk about FPL, and all of them returned. 
Gabe, what was your perspective on it? What about James Madison? You, a little bird told me that James Madison was in one of your drafts and you took him out last minute.com. No. I, it was it was it was always the plan to take him out for Foden. I, I have no no regrets. Like it's still like if I would do it again and again Why? and again and again. And then this week no, not at all. It was, it was that was always my plan. So what I stuck to my plan. I got Foden in, and he didn't return because of the, the reasons that we talked about. And Madison was exactly what we thought he would be. So I don't know. I think those are two two calls that that the both of them were right, and they just had I, I got the one with the wrong outcome. Um, yeah, and it was yeah. on a week when everybody else returned. So like I don't know. These are the things about FPL that I don't think are really that important. Like if it's not, I, it's yeah, not. I, I could, leg, really. No, no, <laughs> but I, I could like some people might be thinking like rage transfer, like transfer. Do, do I go forward into Madison? Madison has has United coming up. It's that's that's the the spot in my midfield that's going to rotate. So it, it it will become Madison, who was always my my initial uh, my target from game week three. So um, so yeah, it was it was unfortunate. I was I, I was bummed, but I was I was happy to see Madison in and around it. But I was surprised as well. Like Lucien was saying, like those those kind of like those designs to get Madison free in the half space and have well what was Kane kind of like dragging the line forward when the when the wing back pushes forward creating space for Madison that wasn't really happening with Richarlison um and and I have to say in this analysis I underestimated the uh Madison's delivery from set pieces I, you know it's that just something very, like I it, very good it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. And then when, when that happened, I was like, I can't believe I forgot about that. Um, so so yeah. fair fair play. I, I, I really – this is an exciting – super entertaining game. Um, I wish I would have kept Madison. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I pay service charges for Rich Allison because I had to get a wheelie bin delivered actually this week because I didn't have one for my new house. Quite frankly, Rich Allison was about as much use as a wheelie bin this week. I thought it was absolutely bloody awful. Awful. Um, now – Perhaps he might get settled down. But the thing is with Madison, of course, is he needs someone to be able to stick the ball away. Sun also looked very, very quiet. Sun, Sun was very quiet, I thought. Maybe not quite back yet. I think he's a watch. He's certainly not somebody who you're going to go for early doors. I don't think. Um, quick that quick was question uh, for Lucien. Yes. Lucien, what, what, what do you think about um, Sun and Richarlison trading spots? I don't think it really makes a difference. I've never seen Son operate in a half space with presence because you need to have presence in that box to actually demand the ball. Same thing with Richarlison. Mm -hmm. Like the whole purpose of a wide player out wide is just to make incisive passes. So at least I know that Son has passing quality that he can utilize from the flanks. But Richarlison, I still wonder what he does best as a player. But yeah, that's something that remains to be seen. Okay. Uh, keeping going then. So the next one, we've got two more to go. We're doing all right for time, Gabe. I'm trying to rattle through this, unlike there were normal marathons on the matchup show, and particularly <laughs> in pre-season. Which <laughs> Chelsea against Liverpool. Oh, my goodness me. Um, as a Chilwell and a Salah owner, I went through so many emotions in that 90 minutes. <laughs> no, I should say in 45 minutes, actually, because the second half went really quiet. I was bored. But in the first half, I went through so many emotions from punching the air to punching the settee. <laughs> um, I consider myself very unlucky, Lucy, and I'm going to come to you in a second. But before I do that, the numbers said, it thought Liverpool would get at least one goal, 1.7 on Gabe's net XG, Chelsea 1.2. But obviously, old Chelsea, not new Chelsea. 
Um, fixed difficulties were very neutral, lots of nil-nil draws in the past. Fixed difficulty thought that actually, very similar to that. Did think a draw and he got it right. 1.1, um, both sides, nothing much on the zonals and matchups. Um, how did you see the game go? Would it have ruined your stats if that Salah goal was allowed? Um, it might ruin my captain metric for next week. <laughs> tiny <laughs> margins, tiny, tiny margins is the difference between, I think, a 20k rank, or, or sorry, a 100k rank and a 1 million rank. And I think that's the difference where I've been with two offsides between, I think, 100k and 1 million. That's how tight it is. Um, but yeah. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Uh, yeah, Nico Jackson, let's start there because. A lot of us thought that he would just be that pacey player that stretches defences, but he was absolutely not. He could body Van Dyke. He could sprint. He wanted the ball at his feet. He could link play with Chilwell, especially. I think the most crucial connection here that we've missed for so long is Enzo Fernandez and Reese James working on the right side, not to find Chilwell, but to find Jackson himself. Right? I think we've seen that seen enough now that Reese James doesn't have to cross. For Ben Chilwell now, he actually has a legit number nine to aim at. That's not Lukaku or Aubameyang or some, you know, rubbish forward. So, yeah, heads off to that. Now, for Liverpool, majority of this slide is about the counter-pressed and Diogo Jota. And yes, Diogo Jota did have a target. He targeted Conor Gallagher and he forced Gallagher into a lot of errors early doors. But when Enzo Fernandez stepped forward, here's where Liverpool's weaknesses showed. They had Gapo tasked with pressing Enzo Fernandez down, and that did not work. So I think there's still a chink in Liverpool's counter-pressing armour. But as it stands, their right side is superb. I'm not talking about Salah's passing quality or anything like that, but the support runs from Dominic Soboslai as well as the unpredictable nature of Trent. Because now, people think that he's going to be right back or midfield. People don't think that he's going to do both. I've actually sent multiple screenshots of the game where in the first 15 minutes prior to the opener, Trent was a right back. Between the first goal and the disallowed goal, he was a DM. And then after the disallowed goal, he played right back again. So he changes based on time frames. And that is why we don't notice. That is something we have to see through slowly to see how Trent makes that decision. But their right side is definitely flowing, just not in the old Sadio Mane sort of system. That's all. Gabe, your perspective on the uh, on Liverpool and Chelsea? Yeah, you know, I I thought I thought Jota would be more more effective in this game, um, but I what I didn't account for is that like what Lucien was was talking about and Reese James and um, and Enzo like that combination uh, was, was working was working really well, and like you said, Nico Jackson was doing everything. I've I've never seen him do so much um, in, in a game in my life. Coming into midfield, botting people off the ball, creating creating his own passing lanes for the right side to give to him. I, I thought he played really well. As way more than just than just the nine that I expected, um, so, yeah. So uh, you know, obviously you have to be careful what what kind of things you read uh, out there. Like um, you know, a bunch of people have all these all sorts of like Liverpool predictions, and this is how Liverpool are going to play. Somebody even posted that that they got the prediction right when Trent is playing right back most of the game. They put Trent in central midfield. It's like they they started Darwin like that. So like. I don't know. Like, all I can say is watch the games, watch the fucking games, because I, I, um, I watched the game. Because this, this, Trenton, 
But then this, hold on, let me, let me finish my, my thought real quick. This Trenton midfield narrative, it's a situational thing. He'll go into midfield when other things happen. He's not playing in midfield. He played right back for most of this game. And when he's right back, that that creates like the, the Trent, Salah, Soboslai triangle that Lucien was highlighting. Probably means that Trent is going to play mostly right back. <laughs> and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Just wait Sorry, to see okay. how that un unfolds. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ducky. Wait to see uh, how. I mean, I just done the. I've just done the, the duck shoot just then. I, I, as I say, I got my double barrel shotgun out for him. XG of zero, XA of nothing. Uh, Ducky, uh, I'm sorry, mate. I'm, I, I love you really, but but no, I I noticed how he, how deep he was. It was very noticeable how deep he was, um, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, and yeah, um, the stat point that out as well. I'm very impressed with Chilwell. I thought he was extremely attacking. Um, and I think absolutely uh, bordering essential, I think, once we get into game week three and four. I hate to say it, I already own him, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, um, I quite like the idea, guys, of a Chilwell James double up. How about that? That sounds interesting. I quite like that one. I I I'm not I'm not seeing I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not down with the James love. Like he, James. James is further back. Um, he, he was he's, lively. He's not around I, the box. Yeah, I know. Lively I'm just. Well, look. Like he, I, I moved, enjoy. I enjoy watching him play. Sometimes I'd rather have okay. someone play than not. Right, like Gabriel. So you know, he's he's a Gabriel replacement. Quite frankly, by the looks of okay. things, possibly. Okay, so so James me. is better than somebody that doesn't play. But my my question is, why why is he? I mean, and and I've seen people like um you know interested in him as as an asset. Um, so my, it's it's I mean the question why like what what was it about yeah. James's performance? Maybe Lucien oh, can tell I mean, us what look, what's watched. the upside. I, I thought he looked I thought he looked fairly attacking. Lucien, what about James? Is is James an option? Yes, because James finally has a partner to work with on the right side. The thing about Chelsea is that I don't know if this is a one-off, but they've actually made their three-five-two lopsided. If have you did you see Chilwell defend? No, <laughs> because they shifted their entire mm -hmm. back three to the left so that Levi Colwell dealt with Salah directly. That meant that there's a spare man on the right side where Sterling worked with James extremely closely just to set up Nico Jackson. I hope that continues so if that continues against west ham yes james is an absolute buy okay perfect so right okay. moving on to the very last fixture of the of the weekend and uh well i'm gonna call it a snore fest because i fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> i've never been so what bloody bored in all game. my life what a shit game this was quite frankly it had been last on match of the day if there'd have been a match there if this was a saturday the net xg really liked manchester united it really didn't like wolves wolves were completely derailed midweek we thought that um Lopetegui disappear he did but of course what we didn't then see is the bounce coming and of course um, the fixed difficulty really liked Manchester United, both attack and defence five. I mean, quite frankly, 4-0 wouldn't have been at all surprising for me. If you'd have asked me before before Monday, I'd have said 4-0. Manchester United, I think the season hasn't even started yet for them. They were poor. Captain symmetric down the pan. Um, predictions for Bruno and, and Rashford to be two of the highest scorers this week down the pan. Um, Lucien, um, put me out of my misery.
right? So uh, the problem with Wolves is that, number one, they are absolutely weak on the flanks. They have nobody competent on the left because they're either too young like Bueno or they're too mediocre like Johnny. So in that sense, uh, United just didn't punish them. They had Anthony on the right and a very young Ganacho on the left and they decided to play a Rashford striker. So that's the first mistake. The second was assuming that they could actually take control of the game and they just ran into the two most press-resistant midfielders in the league besides Bruno Guimaraes and Bernardo Silva. Matheus Nunes as well as Matheus Cunha both just absolutely ran through Man United. And that was something that we cannot account for. I think the thing about Wolves is that people assume that it's new manager bounce, but it's just the same habits, but extremely exaggerated. They were still really weak down the flanks. People still targeted Ainuri, and it's just that Anthony couldn't take advantage, really. So it had to be Aaron Wan Bisaka that took advantage of their frailty to cross for Varane's header. I mean... Yeah, uh, what I'd also like to point out is that Bruno is not the centre of the universe. We love to think so, but Bruno is not the centre of the universe. There are far, far more competent ball players than him, such as Casemiro from deeper midfield, because Bruno occupies space, as well as any other fullback that ventures forward. Really, Luke Shaw was in more dangerous positions than Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes combined. So I'll end it at that. Okay. Eric Ten Hag is a fucking fraud. <laughs> this guy. This guy. Dude, you bring in Casemiro last season. Fucking pay. You pay for Casemiro, who's old, but he's going to make an impact. You you make three signings this offseason, so one-third of them is, is Mount, your central midfield. And what do you do? You fucking play the ball wide to Garnacho and fucking Anthony. What's wrong with you? You got Rashford in the middle, you got Bruno in the middle, you got Mount in the middle, you got Casemiro in the middle, and you're going to play the ball wide. Fuck off. Give me a break. United didn't deserve this clean sheet. They should. Wolves were the better team here. Wolves have the better players. United didn't deserve the clean sheet. And anybody with United clean sheets, you got lucky as fuck. It's a jammy fucking clean sheet. Wolves, Wolves were higher XG, way more shots. Wolves, here, here's one thing, like, We've been trashing wolves, right? But one thing, and, and I'm, I'm super guilty of this as well. One thing that I've been guilty of is forgetting the quality of players wolves have. Their roster is, it's better than Palace's roster. It's better than anybody, like, basically, like, I don't know, like 12th and below. If we look at wolves' roster, Pedro Neto, quality player, Pablo Sarabia, quality player, Mateus Cunha, Gomez, Lemina, Nunez. I mean... Gary O'Neill has them set up in this really nice kind of way. And I think Wolves are going to start surprising people. And I don't want to read too much into Manchester United here from this one. Because if Eric Ten, I, I give him, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe if he adapts for the second match away, then fine. But if you're going to do the same thing, I'm going to be trashing United the way I've trashed Spurs in the past. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, my swear. I have a swear job. I, I love it. I'm a teacher in real life and I have a swear jar. I swear the swear jar is going to be so full right now. <laughs> There's just a few comments. Yeah, I keep playing know, like this and I know happening. Be. Gabe's testosterone is off the roof. <laughs> I love it. And that's that, boys. We've been through the fixtures. So, um, and, and what we're not going to do is, I know there's been a few questions in the chat. We're not going to take any. We're not going to take any questions tonight because we're on tomorrow, aren't we, for the matchup show? Um, and we've got Bradley Curry. Is it tomorrow? No, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. 
What, what is it today? Tuesday or Wednesday? Or is it Monday? It's what day is it? It's Tuesday where I am. It's Tuesday. It's Wednesday. <laughs> For God's sake, I don't even know what day of the week it is. It's, we're on tomorrow night as well, aren't we, Gabe? For the matchup show yes. with Bradley Curry, the uh, uh, Scotland and uh, Sussex cricketer. Um, who is well known for the, I think, probably one of the best catches I've ever seen taken. Gabe, you have 24 hours, 24 hours, sir, to scrub up on your cricket, because I am going to ask you about the rules of cricket tomorrow. Oh, God, please no. <laughs> you don't want me talking about cricket when 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 Brad. No, is on I just the want show. to try. I just want you to try and explain things. We were talking about bowling maidens over earlier, but I think people thought it was girls. I just have one question about cricket. Mm -hmm. Why? What do you mean why? why? <laughs> what do you mean why? Half 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 are from India. You can't say that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's that's what I get in this country when I ask people why why baseball. Right. I well, fair kind of... anyway, <laughs> let me get us out of here. First things first. Mini league HUP six nine D. Also, if you're a, a if you're a Patreon or a hauler like uh, Lucian here, and don't disappear this time, Lucian, because you're a super hauler. So I'm going to say that again. You also get access to the mini league as well. Uh, prize mini league which we're running um hit like hit subscribe everybody just a very quick shout out to the haulers so we've got super haulers thing bob david harrison fpl nema zach have boy daddy bot greenback golf fpl robbie we've got dread on haulers fpl uh fpl craig podner kevin rose uh connor hunt Donny fpl oscar arias fpl teacher blonde s scotters m blonde's top of the mini league by the way she played a she played a bench boost she wouldn't tell me in the chat on Friday, on Friday night that she was playing a bench boost. She kept that really quiet. William, uh, William, uh, Tom, will I am? Tom Gorsuch, um, Thavinda Raj, Lindsay, uh, FPL DG boy, Akshay, Dom, Claire, Catherine, Sal of the Samurai, Harry, not Kane. Well, there we go. I'll have to change your name. Neil, uh, Sebastian Koo, Benjamin Lockwood, FPL rubber ducky, quack, quack, bang, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Neil Zappels, Nick Khan, Big Mike, FPL discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> um, General Zod, um, who's that? Uh, was that Gladys Street Preachers? That must be an Everton fan. Uh, Jack M, FPL fan, FPL Bondos, Jamie Baker. Hello, Jamie's back. And Brett M. Um, gentlemen, I would like to say thank you so much. We've it's been lit this tonight. The chat's been banging. We've got fifty-seven people in. If you haven't hit like, please do. If you haven't hit subscribe, please do. If you want to be a hauler, please do. Lucian, thank you so much. Your insight is first class. It's fantastic, man. Love it. Thank, thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time, but I absolutely love working with you guys. Look forward to more next week. <laughs> well, we did try quite a bit when I was in Singapore to get something sorted, didn't we? We could, you could just never get diaries together. Gabe, this has been one of your uh, dreams, I think, to do something with Lucian recently. Yeah, and 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 to review the matchups, it's it's so great to have like a basically an independent peer review of of the work, which is which is which is fantastic, and, and it helps bring out the lessons. Uh, so who better for that than teacher? Well, yes, I always say that teachers the first who makes me the most uncomfortable on the matchup show I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's why it's much better. I don't like teachers. Uh, Lucy, you say never have done, never will do. Um, 
<laughs> but, so yeah, but the, tonight I managed to just control you for a change. So I'm actually back on there. Uh, I'm actually back on top. There we go. Anyway, gents, 59 minutes, 29 seconds. It's time for us to get out of here. Thank you so much. And we will see you all tomorrow night. Take care. Bye-bye. Peace.